Hello and welcome to the podcast of Grace Point Pentecostal Church. I'm glad you could be here with us. This message was preached by our senior pastor, Timothy Wisnett, on our Tuesday night service, December the 28th, and it was titled, The Revelation of the Drip. It was a great word, and we pray you're blessed by it again today. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to the Gospel of Mark chapter 5, and our kids can be dismissed, amen, to the kids' ministry. Man, God bless them. Praise God. Sister Lily, glad to see you with tonight. Amen. Praise God. She's been hanging out with Addie today. I'm going to tell you what, a good friend's a friend that goes to church with you. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Mark chapter 5, beginning at verse 35. I'm going to teach tonight uh, as we are getting in uh, to the end of this year, just Uh, a few days left, three days left in this year, and then we start into a new year. Amen. Do, Do this with me. Determine right now that no matter what happens this year, no matter what happens this year, this time next year, I'm going to look back at all the great things God has done. Because I am going to put my focus on him this year like I never have before. I'm going to be talking about that a little bit tonight in my teaching and prepare you uh, going into this year. And, uh, you know, typically uh, every year I talk about uh, around this time, either at the end of the year or the early part of the new year, I talk about how important it is to take a spiritual Snapshot, remember that? Where was I this time last year? Am, am I further away from God and the goals I had in, in, in living for God? Or am I at the same place, which is just as bad? Or have I progressed? Amen. Say, well, I've progressed, but I'm nowhere near where I want to be. I'm, but if you if you progressed one step, that's still progression. Amen? And so I, I want to talk in a certain aspect about this tonight. Verse 35 says, While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house uh, certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master further? We're talking about Jairus' daughter. And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken he said unto the ruler of the synagogue be not afraid only believe and he suffered no man to follow him save Peter and James and John the brother of James and he cometh into the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly That's the King James Version of saying they were making a whole lot of noise. The modern English renderings of this, uh, they literally say, Jesus walks in and he literally says, what's up with all this commotion? What's going on with all the drama? Amen. You ever felt like saying that before? Maybe you said that at Christmas. Amen. He said, what is going on? And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? 
Why make you this? Why are you acting like this? I mean, come on. Don't you just, doesn't it just drive you nuts when people overreact to stuff? I mean, just overreact. Drama, drama, drama. It's, it's annoying. And if that's you, don't be that person. I tell you, with all the love of God, you are annoying. <laughs> Amen. And you say, why, why are you making all this ado? All this noise and weep. The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out. Everybody say, he put them all out. Say it again. He put them all out. Say it one more time. He put them all out. You know the only thing that keeps some of you from the miraculous happening in your life is the company you keep in the room where God wants to do the miracle. You're one good house cleaning away from the miracle that's been promised you. Well, I don't want to offend them. Well, you just keep being nice and don't offend them. And that miracle just stay dead on the bed. But the moment you're willing to clean house, he can move. Amen. The Bible said he put them all out. He taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entered in where the damsel was laying. And he took her by the hand and said unto her, Talitha Kumai, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years, and they were astonished with great astonishment. Amen. They could not believe this girl that was just dead is now up and walking around the house. Amen. Jesus walks in. He kicks them out. All those that were wailing and weeping and whining and then those that laughed at him, he put them all out of the house. And then he turned and performed the miracle. Amen. My title won't make a lot of sense right now, but if you'll give me a few minutes, it will. I want to talk about the revelation of the drip. It don't make a lot of sense right now, but I'm going to talk about the revelation of the drip. Would you pray with me right now? Jesus, we love you, and we are so thankful for your word and the opportunity that we have to come together and to understand and know your word and share in worship and in thanksgiving. Lord, I thank you for the worship and the praise and the liberty that we feel in this place. But, Lord, I pray that you would open our understanding tonight. For, Lord, it's not of our own might or of our own accord or by our own wisdom or our own intellect, but it's by your Spirit. And we're praying that you would open our understanding in these scriptures tonight and help us to walk in the fullness that you are calling us to. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I'm going to talk about the revelation of the drip. Amen. What, what an incredible story. Most of us are familiar with the story of the young girl, the, the daughter of Jarius, who was a ruler. Of the, he was a very, very important man. And uh, his daughter was dying. Now, let me set the backdrop of this story. You know, oftentimes we kind of parachute into the middle of a story and we don't really realize what has happened contextually what's going on. 
And so you got to re- realize there was a, a succession of events that had just taken place. Uh, for instance, uh, Jesus uh, had just taken a trip to the Gadarenes, and uh, he told his disciples, you get in the boat, you meet me at Gadara, and, uh, you know, the story, the, the, the storm starts tossing the boat. You remember that? Waves come crashing in. All 12 disciples are clutching to the boat, and they're screaming they're going to die. And all of a sudden, Simon Peter and them look up, and they see what they thought was a spirit because the, the Jewish tradition at that time of the, uh, the fishermen and the seagoers was that when death comes upon you, uh, right before you die, you're going to see a spirit that's going to take you into the afterlife. And so they thought they saw this spirit coming after them, and they gripped the side of the boat, and they were clutching onto ropes, and there were no lifesavers. There were no life jackets or life preservers. They were just holding on to ropes, and they were being violently tossed in the waves. The rain was torrential. It was filling up the boat. The wind was whipping the sail around, about to break the mast. Amen. Their oars were being displaced across the boat and into uh, the sea. And lightning was, uh, you think worst case scenario you want to be in, that's where they were. They were at the moment of death and they see what they thought was a spirit coming walking on the water. And uh, they thought it was going to come to get it. And then all of a sudden they realized that's not a spirit, that's Jesus. I mean, what's he out here doing taking a stroll in the middle of my storm. I mean, he's just having a peaceful, leisurely walk while I'm on the brink of death. Amen. You, you see, it's a great parallel to understand that no matter what hell is breaking loose in your life, it's just another day for God. God doesn't get rattled at our storms. I think oftentimes our frustration with God is, is that he doesn't panic like we panic. Amen. We, we want somebody to panic with us. We want somebody to freak out with us. Amen. That's why you don't, that's why when, you know, if the lights aren't on in the house, you get somebody to go with you into the house. You want a, you want a partner in terror. Amen. And, 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 you know, guys, we're, you know, we're pretty bad about this too. I mean, uh, men, guys are kind of weird anyway. I speak as one as a legitimate spokesperson for the male persuasion. Um, you know, men are kind of weird. I mean, if something's hard, we invite somebody else to do it. Man, I can't lift that bucket of nails. You tried. I threw my back out. And what will the other guy do? He'll throw his back out trying to lift it too. Uh, see, a woman is smart. She would look at him and say, well, why lift it? I, I'll go get somebody else to lift it. But we got to prove our machismo man we gotta we gotta show that we're the cock of the walk man we're we're the you know we're the, we're the banny rooster in the barnyard amen we're we're gonna strut our stuff and that's just like guys i mean even even things that are gross i mean uh, you can open up a gym bag that had been opened in, in a century and it's got moldy nasty disgusting crusty socks in there that stink man it makes makes a skunk smell like Chanel number no. five perfume. And that guy, the guy will not look at that, Sister Elva, and no, see, you, you raised all girls. I'm going to give you a little insight. A, a girl will look at that and go, that stinks. I know it's, I can smell it. I can look at it and tell it's going to smell. And she'll just zip it up and throw it away. Not, not a guy. 
A guy will reach in there knowing that the funk is on that thing for decades, pull it out, pull it to his face and go and gag himself to the point of puke. But it doesn't stop there because men are so brilliant. We want someone in this. What's the very next thing we do? We turn to our buddy and go, here, smell this. Every time. And you would think that the guy who initially smelt the old moldy, crusty sock over there going, would deter the other friend. It didn't deter him. He goes, let me see that. And then if, and, and then if another guy walks in, they'll go, oh, man, you got to smell this. And you'll have six, seven, 20 guys in there taking turns smelling something that would gag a maggot on a gut wagon. I mean, just... Not a woman, she'd put it in the trash, she'd throw it away. She would warn her friends, don't go around that trash bag. There is a nasty, crusty, disgusting sock over there. You don't want to smell that thing. And, and the ladies would be like, oh, thank you. But when her husband walks in and she says, don't go over to that trash bag, there's a stinking sock over there, he will go untie the bag, open it up, pull it out and smell it. Because we don't want to, and then he would go to her, hey, why don't you smell it? And she said, I'm not smelling that sock. I know. Because that's how God, that's how people, but women will do that with other things where, where guys won't do that. There, you know, there is a difference between men and women. I know this is a shocking revelation in 2021, but it's, there is a truth. There is a difference between men and women because for things that work for men like that, it don't work for women like that. In other words, you're probably, it's probably a rare thing when a man is at a steakhouse and he cuts in and it's the best piece of steak he's ever had. Look at his buddies and go, y'all try this. He's not going to pass that thing around. He's going to say, this is good. He will tell you on the way home how awesome that steak was. But a woman will take a bite delicately out of her, you know, kerfuffle, souffle, souffle, the thing that you can't even pronounce, and she'll nibble it, and she'll tell her girlfriends, oh, this is divine, you must try, and then everybody dives in, and they all take a bite. They want to share that. See, women want to share life. Men want to share near-death experiences. Women will pass that thing around. They'll pay $50 for that meal, and then all 12 of them will have a bite of it, and nobody leaves hungry. That's why when she meets you for dinner that night, she'll say, oh, I'm not hungry. I already ate. And then eat your food. <laughs> Some of y'all are sitting out there going, I perceive he's a prophet. Amen. <laughs> but women will, they'll share it. I mean, I'm going to tell you what. I'm not, I am not a violent person. But you reach over across the table and take a piece of my steak, I'm probably going to pop you a little bit. I, I don't know how bad it's going to be, but I might just stick my fork in your neck. Not deep, but a little bit. That's my step, but not women. They're going to pass that thing around. They're going to share it, and everybody's going to go, oh, this is lovely. Oh, this is wonderful. Guys, want, guys will share disgusting things, terrifying things, women, good things. Isn't it funny how that works? Isn't it funny how it works? And, and so uh, here they were. They're, they're dying. They're, I mean, they're about to sink in this ship. They are about to go down. And they realize that this is Jesus walking on the water. They're all sharing in their terror. You see, we don't want to be alone in our terror. Sometimes we get frustrated with God 
because we at least want God to panic a little bit with us. You can, you can act like you don't, but it, the truth is your human nature does. You want God because we know that panic and, and, and terror is often interpreted with us as sympathy or empathy, a, 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 an, an understanding or a feeling. Amen. That's why when somebody gives you bad news, even if it doesn't even affect you, you go, oh, I am so sorry to hear that. And you, you, you I mean, you couldn't know the person from, from Adam and Eve. When they tell, oh, or they tell you a story that's dramatic, you know, and, the, and, and, and you know, even if you, you're not, you're in it and you're showing them that you can relate to that situation. How I many know what I'm talking about? Why? Because there, there's that feeling of connection when we see somebody at least reflecting in them the emotions that either we are feeling or we did feel at the time. That's, that's what makes comedy so funny. You know, they relate a story in a funny way that you can find funny. I mean, this, I mean you don't want to tell a joke and nobody laugh. You know, you don't want to relate. If I was telling you the story about the stinking sock and you guys were just sitting there going, mm, no. I, I mean, I'd probably go say, hey, amen, go to my co- office and finish this great cup of coffee I had. Right? Because you want, you want people to, to kind of live with you what you were. And when we don't feel God is doing the same thing, our frustration turns from not being about the situation we're in, but the fact that we don't feel God panicked with us. We don't feel God is losing his mind like we are. But aren't you glad he doesn't? And the fact that he doesn't solidifies him as God in our life. Because to, to be honest, if the plane is going down, I want a Captain Sullenberger on that plane. You know, the guy that I preached about a few weeks ago that landed the plane in the Hudson River? How many ever heard the voice recordings of that when they recovered the black box? It was, the, you would think he was ordering a pizza, Brother DeLeon. Yeah, we're going to take it down right here in the Hudson River. You know, that's the kind of pilot that I want. I want the pilot that says, hey, we've just lost both engines. We've lost power. We're not going to make it to the airport, but we're, we're going to make a landing in the river. I don't want the panic that, uh, the, the, the pilot that reflects my emotion. I don't want to hear the pilot all the way in the cockpit going, oh, God, what are we going to do? We're all going to die. I don't want to hear the pilot up there saying the rosaries and novenas and, you know, giving his swan song on the way out. I don't want to hear that. I want to hear the pilot instill some hope and confidence in me that we're going to make it. If I go to the doctor and there's an issue, I don't want the doctor to hold the x-ray up and go, oh, my Lord, what are we going to do with that? I don't want a doctor to do that. I don't want a doctor to get the blood test and go, my Lord, I don't even know what to do. I'm going to have to get a, I don't even know, how, I didn't know that's possible. I want a doctor that says, yep, yeah, you know, there's an issue here, but you know what? I'm confident that based upon past experience and past treatments that I've been able to do, we're going to be able to handle this and take care of it. And it's going to be a little bit of a bumpy ride for the next few weeks, but ultimately we're going to get this under control. There's going to be discomfort, which uh, that's doctor speak for. You're going to wish you were dead. Anytime a doctor says you'll feel discomfort, get ready. Worst pain in your life is about to take place. 
I don't know if they teach that in med school, but they say, okay, we're going to abandon the English language. Discomfort means slightly uncomfortable, but in doctor speak, or or pressure, uh, so in doctor speak, we're going to take those terms and when we say that what we really mean is, you're going to want to take ice picks and jam them in your eyes. But I want a doctor that'll be real with me and say, look, it's going to be bumpy. And this, you know, sometimes throughout this treatment, you're going to think that the cure is worse than the cause. But I'm going to tell you, I'm confident we can get through this because I've been through this before. You know, this ain't my first rodeo. This is, you're not the first patient that I've treated with this issue. This is not the first, first broken bone that I've had to reset. I want a doctor that has, and so I want a God in my life that when everything is happening and waves are tossing me here and there, that I don't hear a panic in the voice of my Savior saying, I don't know how we're going to get through this, but I want to hear that calm, reassuring, voice of the Lord Jesus that says I've already been there for every temptation I've already made a way of escape for you are already an overcomer by the blood of the lamb by the word I want to hear by his stripes you were healed that's what I want to hear amen and so they're they're in the bottom of the boat and they're clutching I'm giving you context of Mark 5 and and so the boat looks like it's going to go down they see the spirit walking on the water they realize at some point I don't know how it came about they recognize that wasn't a spirit that was Jesus and he was out taking a walk like it was a Sunday afternoon at Central Park and it was 70 degrees and everything was fine he just is walking on the water and they have a discussion is that a spirit is that Jesus no that's Jesus and so finally Simon Peter calls out to him and he hollers and says Jesus if that be you bid me come to thee on the water amen Uh, Simon Peter was scared but he knew he's the minute things about to go down this ship is about to plunge into the dark cold murky bottoms of this sea and and I want out of this boat either way And, and if I get with him he can give me help he can help me so if that's really you you tell me to come to you walking on the water and Jesus gave Simon Peter a one word invitation to the supernatural and he looked at him and he said come and Simon Peter climbed up out of that boat I don't know I've heard this story preached about seven ways from Sunday I don't know if he did a backflip out of the boat I don't know if everybody was clutching the bottom of his robe about to rip it off I don't know if they were saying get on out of here I don't know what but he put one leg over and that sea is tossing him violently and all of a sudden when he puts one foot on what should have been liquid matter that should have had no sustaining capabilities in it at all no solidifying factors that would have held his body mass up all of a sudden when he put his foot on that water he was able to put enough pressure on that water that he could bring the other leg out over the other side of that ship and he began to walk to Jesus I know we preach about he sank and Jesus had to lift him up can we just at least acknowledge the man walked on water Amen. If that don't sound like a church, I don't know what does. Well, he sank. He didn't have enough faith in God. Well, you know what? He was about, if he walked 20 steps on the water, he was 20 steps ahead of your hide because he got out of the boat. You know what we like to do? Somebody tries to be, oh, that failed. They try to get involved in this ministry. Oh, that didn't last. They try to start it. Well, that didn't happen. That didn't work. Hey, you know what? If you 11 suckers want to stick in the boat, that's fine. I'm going to Jesus. Sink, swim, or drink the ocean dry. I'm going to get to where he is. 
And you know what? We'd be a whole lot better off if we had some Simon Peter faith that says, I can either drown in a boat or I can walk on the impossibility. But I'm going to go to where Jesus is. I think 2022 is going to afford you some more opportunities like 2020 did. And 20, oh, I got some good, I got some news for y'all. It was, man, 2020 was horrible and 2021 wasn't that great either. I got good news for you. Devil's still going to be the devil in 2022, so get ready. If you think that hell is going to abdicate his authority on the earth in 2022 so you can get a reprieve, honey, you may need to start sipping something other than what you're drinking right now. Because here's a reality flash. Hell's going to fight you harder this year than he did the last year. Brother, you better wake up and smell the fresh ground coffee. If you thought last year the enemy attacked you, get ready. Because there's greater miracles in this year. That means he's going to fight you even harder. So you might as well get your resolve right now. I am going to be with Jesus no matter what. I'm going to walk with the Lord. I'm going to talk with the Lord. I'm going to be used of God. I'm not going to let anything set me back. I'm not going to let any financial obstacles set me back. I'm not going to let physical ailments set me back. I'm not going to let people, I'm not going to let my own stinking thinking set me back. I'm getting out of this boat this year. I'm going to quit blaming it on the wind. I'm going to quit blaming it on the waves. I'm going to quit griping about the thunder and the lightning. I'm going to quit griping about the rickety old boat that we're in. I'm just going to say, you know what? Evidently, I'm where God wants me to be. Because he told me to go to the other side and I may be in the middle of the storm but I'm exactly where he told me to be. And if I'm ever going to get to where he wants me to be, I've got to be willing to brave the storm to get there. Have you ever thought the reason that you're in the storm is because Jesus is trying to show up and show out his miraculous power in your life? Amen, you with me? This is, all, this is all happening right before Jairus' dawn. And so Jesus, you know, lifts up Peter. I want to focus on Peter sinking because we've all sank. We've all sank. Let's act like Simon Peter some just some great example of a failure. He didn't drown. He sank. He sank, that's it. He didn't drown. He wasn't under the water he sank and Jesus reached down picked him up and guess what they did they walked back to the boat he took his eyes off the Lord and believe, if the Lord tarries his coming another fight I'm probably going to preach about keeping your eyes on Jesus I get it but for tonight can we give the brother some credit let's, let's quit wearing him out for sinking Because the truth of the matter is, the reason why a lot of us focus on why Peter sunk is because you sunk right now. And you don't want to be alone in the sinking. So you get sinking thinking. See, there's thinking thinking and sinking thinking. And, and, and sinking thinking don't want to be alone like stinking thinking. And if you're not careful, you'll get stinking sinking thinking. And stinking, sinking, thinking is even worse because why you got sinking, thinking, I'm going down, I'm not going. Stinking, sinking, thinking says, I don't want to be down here by myself, so I'm going to point out the fact I'm not the only one going under. Amen. 
Where do you want to be in 2022? You want to be swallowing salt water or you want to be in the boat or you want to be with Jesus? Where, where do you want to be this year? Still complaining about you're not everything you want to be in God? Or you want to just start trying to be what God wants you to be? Amen. And we're all guilty. There ain't a person in this room exempt from this. And a person in this room exempt from this. Because we all have good days and bad days. I, I want you, 2020 was a rough year. But you know what? 2019 had some rough patches. Come on, be honest. 2018, 2017, 2016. How far do you want to keep going back? Had rough patches. 2020 had rough patches. 2021 had rough patches. Let's just quit acting like all we did has been through hell every year. All right? Say, well, that's the power of positive. No, that's the power of Holy Ghost thinking. That's the power of getting rid of stinking, sinking thinking. All right? Now, that, that, that's, you've heard me say this many times. People get, how many times you see, I've just had a horrible day. Well, what happened? Well, I slammed the door and I slammed the, the cat's tail in the door. Oh. I went to Starbucks and they made the wrong drink. And the blast thing poured out all over me. Oh. What happened? I went up to my lunch and they had to worry about putting it in the break room and somebody ate my lunch. It was a horrible day. It's funny, but that's how some of us sound. It's been a bad day. No, you had bad five minutes you ain't shut up about. So you've been yakking and whining and complaining about that five minutes. All Anybody that would listen, you had to tell them about your plight. So you had a bad day because you wouldn't shut up about five minutes, bad five minutes. You didn't have a bad day. You had a bad five minutes. You had a great day. You went to a job that's still paying you. You were in a home that's got electricity. You got in a car that works. You got, you had a great, you had a bad five minutes you wouldn't stop talking about. Your year probably wasn't that bad. We just highlight the bad things all the time. But what all good did God do? I might not be on your street, but I'm in your zip code right now. Because every one of us, every one of us that has flesh on our bones is guilty of this stinking, sinking thinking. Every one of us. See, it, God is good. I'm not talking, I ask you to walk around like, you know, smiling like some dopey moron. No, you're allowed to have a bad day. But I'm, I, I, I'm talking about this. See, what happens is you take the victories God's doing in your life and, and, and you tie them up to a tree like old Yeller and put a bullet in their head. Because we can't quit whining about a few inconveniences and bad things that did happen. You know, you know, Paul had a solution for this. He said, brethren, whatsoever things are holy, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a 
good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. I'm talking about the revelation of the drip. He goes to Gadara. He calms the storm. <laughs> wow. You know, it's amazing. I've probably heard more preaching over Peter sinking than I have the storm being calmed or the man having demons cast out in Gadara. He calms the storm. And the disciples are, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? When Jesus said, peace be still, the seas went smooth as glass. I don't know about you, I love jet skiing when the lake is like glass. It's so much fun. I mean, it just went, you can look over the side of the boat and see your reflection. Goes to Gadara, there's a man possessed with anywhere between six to 10,000 demons, a legion of demons. Amen. Cast them out. Cast them out into a herd of pigs. <laughs> How cool is that? He just cast them out and sent them into some pigs. And all them pigs ran and jumped off a cliff and all killed themselves. My Lord, that'd have been a bacon feast if I'd have been there. It'd have been pork chops, bacon, and ham hock for a month. You better believe it. And pigs don't fly, amen. They just go, kaploop. Then he comes back from Gadara. He goes back. Uh, uh, to Galilee and everybody's heard about the demoniac that's been delivered they've heard about the miracles and as he gets off the boat Jairus is waiting for him saying my daughter's at home dying come to her and Jesus makes his way he's headed toward her oh now we got another issue here comes this pesky little woman with an issue of blood fighting her way through a crowd. This young girl's dying. She reaches out and she touches the border of his garment. Jesus stops says, who touches me? Even the disciples got frustrated with Jesus. So it's amazing how quick we can go from faith to frustrated with Jesus. He had just walked on water. He had just calmed the storm. He had just delivered a demoniac of demons. And he says, who touches me? And the disciples go, what do you mean who touches? Thousands of people touching you. He said, no, 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 somebody touched me. I felt virtue go out of me. And the little woman right over here on her knees lifts up her voice and says, I did. I touched. The whole time, Jarius is trying to get Jesus to leave. His little girl is dying. And Jesus has this interaction with her, which I am certain was not just a few seconds. She said, I touched you. He said, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole go thy way. And as he turns to walk, somebody says, don't trouble him anymore. The little girl's already dead. And Jesus walks through that crowd. He gets to the home of Jairus. As he walks through the home, I'm about to get to my title. So important. As he walks to the home, there are mourners all around. So you've got to understand something about Jewish culture at this time. Um, Love was expressed in the amount of weeping you could do when somebody died. Matter of fact, great social status was placed upon how many people would weep over a family member. So they had, um, they, they had a profession then 
not to bore you with the uh, Hebrew and uh, Greek translation of it, literally they were rent mourners You just call 1-800-RENT-A-MOURNER. They, they were people that made a living to come to your house or go to a graveside and weep. And they didn't even know the people. They didn't know them. The, the, all they, you paid them some money to show up and cry, and that's what they did. And they said, moan! They'd just moan, and they'd well, and they'd rent their garments, and they'd beat their chest, and they'd cry. And everybody go, oh, weren't they so loved? Look at all the people that turned. So the wealthier you were, the more people you could hire to come and cry more. Here's what I find amazing. See, some of us like to try to play, try to play things safe like Jarius. We're going to go get Jesus for, to heal, but we're also going to get the mourners at the, just in case. While he was calling Jesus, he was sending somebody to get the mourners. <laughs> don't we do that? Oh, God, I got faith you're going to do it. But if you don't, I've got, I got plan B. Come on. It's the truth. This is the detail of the story. This is the whole crux of, of, of my lesson tonight. He had enough faith to get Jarius, to go get Jesus, but he still had enough, let's call it reality, to go ahead and hire the mourners to show up at his house. And the moment somebody stepped out of the room and said the little girl was dead, I mean they put on an Oscar performance. Ah! They started crying and bawling and snotting and wallering and just making all kinds of noise. And this is the environment Jesus walked into to perform a miracle. I want to reiterate, these people didn't even know the little girl. They were hired to bawl their eyes out. Just a bunch of drama queens or kings. Just out there wailing and beating their chest and rending their garments and screaming. And Jesus comes. Now, you want, now you're going to understand why they all got upset when Jesus says she's not dead. Because they all went, oh, we're not getting paid. Huh? Because, I mean, they were going to get paid based on performance and the fact somebody's actually dead. If this little girl turns out to be dead, that means they come from wherever they came from in town. And they weren't even going to get the delivery fee. Jesus walks in and says, this girl's not dead. She's asleep. Doctors are looking at him like, she's dead. Everybody knows. The little girl's mother knew she was dead. Everyone knew she was dead. Everybody knew she was dead except Jesus. He walked in and said, she's not dead. She's asleep. And the Bible says they laughed him to scorn. Matter of fact, when Jesus showed up at that house, <laughs> Jesus said, what is, what is the meaning of all this chaos? Why is everybody screaming and crying? She's not dead. She's just asleep. The Bible says he walked in the room and he said this. They laughed him to scorn. And the Bible says Jesus put them all out. Now, you need to go, you need to go do a word search on that because that doesn't mean that Jesus politely went to him and said, um, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I know you're... You're making fun of me and laughing, but would you please step out of the room, please? Pretty please. Because, I mean, that's our, 
That's our perception of Jesus. For some reason, we've let the world give us this emasculated sissy version of Jesus. He was a man's man. The Bible said he put them out. He said, get out. And if they didn't get out of there, he grabbed them and said, get out of here. He started putting people out. So I don't know if Jesus would do that. You remember when he took a whip and started popping people at the temple? Premeditated assault. He braided the whip himself and started popping people with it. Amen. He started grabbing, get out of here. They're all getting out. They're scared because, I mean, now all of a sudden, he's tossing people out like he's a bouncer. Just getting rid of them. Getting rid of them. And then he brings in only the father, Peter, James, and John. And the Bible says he walks in the room and he closed the door. He wanted to shut out all the noise. And the Bible said he looked at her and he said, Talik kumia, which means daughter, handmaiden, arise. And the Bible says immediately she rose up into her, out of her bed. A breath returned to her body. Life came back to her body. And she immediately started walking around. But you see, Jesus had to do it in the middle of a bunch of junk. See, miracles happen in the midst of mess. Breakthroughs happen in the midst of noise. A few years, several years ago, when we had, not too long after we had bought the uh, facility in Vacaville, there was a lot of work we had to do in that building. I mean, if y'all had seen the before and after, I mean, it, we, we joke and say it looked like a haunted house, but it really did. It, it was in bad shape. And I finally, finally got an office. It's not much of an office. It's a little bit bigger than this closet, maybe twice the size of that closet, but I had an office. And my office opens up to what we call a common area. And if you've been to Vacaville, you know what I'm talking about. It goes down two steps and you're in, you're in, the, uh, you're in the fellowship hall. And in the fellowship hall, there's a sink. And I was up there not too long after we had it. It was a really hot day. And uh, back then, uh, I mean, we put everything we had in the building. We, we didn't have the money to just be running the AC for me to have an office day. And so I had to keep the door open. And uh, so the, the air could circulate. What air would, cool air would come out of the fellowship hall. I, I could get it in my office. And I was, I remember sitting down at the desk and I'm, I'm and, and all of a sudden as I'm sitting down I'm, I'm arranging the, you know how it is when you get to your desk you know you open this arrange this put this over here make sure that's out of the way there make sure you're you know you gotta make sure that your uh, flaming Cheetos are within reach you know you're not gonna knock over your you know what I'm talking about you gotta you gotta adjust the desk right and so <laughs> and so I'm sitting there and, and, and all of a sudden, I, I start hearing, bleep, 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 bleep. Oh, my goodness. I'm trying. Bleep, bleep. So I get up. And I don't know, but I can't stand rattles and drips. If something's rattling in my truck, my wife, I will pull that blasted truck over in the middle of traffic, and I will tear that thing apart to find out what's rattling. I cannot stand to hear a rattle. Either that or just turn the music up really loud. I cannot stand to hear something rattle. I, I can't stand to hear a drip. Beep, beep, beep. So I got up, and I'm thinking, what is going on? And I walk in, 
and, and the, the, the sink we had in the kitchen at the time was even thinner, even, it was a really cheap, like an aluminum or something. And every time that we couldn't get that faucet to shut off, and so it would just drip. And, it would, and, and you couldn't adjust the head of it because if you did, water would really start leaking out. So you kind of had to settle for a drip. And it would just beep, beep, beep. And, it did, and I thought, man, so I shut my door so I couldn't hear it. But I was like sitting in an oven. So I opened the door after about 10 minutes, and all I could hear was beep, beep, beep. And I'm telling you, it maybe it don't bother you. It drives me crazy and I mean I get up and I start turning the knobs and and uh, I knew we had tried to fix it to try to get but it wouldn't stop and I'm thinking well maybe I just go in the sanctuary and do my work today it was for some reason it was super loud that day and so I just I just come to this understanding you know I can fix it I'm not a plumber and we didn't have the money to buy a new faucet set and so I had to sit there with the door open and just And I, but I distinctly remember going to the church that day because I was beginning to write um, a, a, a Bible study series. And, I re- and, and so, the beep, beep, and finally I just said, you know what, I'm just going to have to put up with it. And so I put my nose down and I get to work. And the next thing I know, which, which tends to happen sometimes, the next thing I know it was like I, I came to, uh, which it didn't happen. I just got really caught up in what I was doing. How many know what I'm talking about? And, and it was four or five, six hours later. I mean, I kind of, come out of this deal and I'd finished all these lessons and I'd finished putting all this stuff together, writing out all these side notes and all this stuff that I was doing. And all of a sudden it dawned on me, I don't even hear the drip anymore. I, I, I couldn't even hear it. I mean, I had got so enraptured into what I was doing. I was so caught up in what I was doing. I was so focused at what I was doing. You see, the drip didn't stop And the sound didn't stop. The noise didn't stop. The only thing that changed was my focus in the moment. And so I'm telling you tonight about the revelation of the drip. And it's simply this. You can stay distracted and accomplish nothing because the enemy of your soul has got a drip going in your life and you can be frustrated and try to move room to room and you can break the faucet, you can sell the building, you can burn it down, you can get mad or you can just get busy doing what you're supposed to do and the busier you get doing what you're supposed to do, the less time you have to worry about the things that is annoying you that is keeping your attention I'm talking to you tonight about the revelation of the drip because life has got some leaks happening in your life right now life has got some drip 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 going on but God has got some things he wants to do in your life and if you get focused on the drip you'll never get the miracle but the moment you get focused on the miracle the moment you get busy doing what God's called you to do you won't even hear the noise anymore you'll learn to put it out you'll learn to tune it out I'm talking to you, I'm almost done. I'm talking to you tonight about the revelation of the drip. I was so tempted, Brother Moreno, to get up and leave and go home and thought, you know, I'll come back and I'll take care of this when we get somebody in there that can fix it and get that stupid drip to stop drip, 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 
and it wasn't a slow one. I mean, it was like, I, I think they even timed it. It was like every seven seconds, drip. Four Mississippi, five Mississippi, drip. 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 And it was so loud. But the more I got involved, amen, I could spiritualize it because I was in a Bible study and I was studying the word of God and what happens a lot of times in Bible study, I'll break off into a few moments of prayer and then reflection and meditation. Amen, I can make it all spiritual, but you see, it applies to anything that you're doing. And I promise you, 2022, you're gonna have a lot of drips that are gonna happen in your life. You're gonna have the drip on your job. Drip, drip. Trip. Sometimes you're going to come home and you're going to have the drip in your house. Drip, drip, drip. See, all the drips don't come from the devil. And, and, and you're going to go to the store someday and there's going to be drips, drip, drip, drip. Parents, sometimes it's going to be your kids that are the drip, drip, drip. Young people, sometimes it might even be your parents that are the drip, drip, drip. Married folk, sometimes it's going to be your spouse. That's the drip, drip. Sometimes it's going to be a car issue. That's the drip, drip. Sometimes it is going to be hell with a drip, drip. And you've got a choice to make right now. Am I going to get distracted by the drip? Or am I going to get busy doing what I'm supposed to be doing for the Lord? And if I'll get focused on the miracle, if I'll get focused on my calling, if I'll get focused on what God is calling me to do, I won't have time to listen to the drip. Jesus walked into a house that was dripping. Dripping with drama, dripping with fake tears, dripping with doubt, dripping with all kinds of things. And he walked in and he put out the drip. Just because he put them out of the room didn't mean the drip stopped. Amen. It just moved to another room. You've got to be able to put all of that stuff out and say, I don't care how loud the drip is. It may sound like my head is underneath a salad bowl and that thing is just dripping right in my eardrum. I am going to get, here's the thing. If you will put the kingdom of God first in 2022, if you will put your focus on what God God is trying to call you to do rather than what life is calling you to be distracted by, you're going to find yourself not only more productive, but you're going to find yourself more contented in the next year because you made up your mind right now. No matter who left the faucet on, I'm going to keep my focus on Jesus. It doesn't matter if I can fix the drip or I can turn the drip. That don't even matter. All that matters is I'm going to do what God's calling me to do this year. We started out in 2021. Some of you started out, I'm going to have a better prayer life this year, but the drip kept you from it. You don't got to stand up and say you're talking to me. I know I'm talking to people in this place. You were going to get more involved in the church in 2021, but the drip happened. Amen. This was going to be the year of your miracle, but the drip started happening. But you can get a revelation from that drip. I'm either going to let the drip distract me or I'm going to let the work of God focus me. Well, buy me some Holy Ghost noise canceling. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. Sometimes drips are going to get so loud 
that bows can't drown it out. And you're going to have to learn to focus. You're going to commit to do things. 2022, I'm going to give myself more to the kingdom. Thank God, do that. Now, once the drip starts, don't get distracted with the drip over here. Amen. Brother Lucas, if you'll come. I, I, I want you to understand this. We, we've got it so... It's not that we're continuously wrong. I think that sometimes we just miss it. We, we are just so convinced that hell is out to make everybody in this room a cocaine addict or, or an alcoholic or a wife beater or, or a rebel rouser or, or some, you know, mass murderer. That, that's not what hell's trying to do. I mean, if you want to, fine, he'll take it. But you're far, we are far more valuable to the kingdom of hell being in the church and distracted then we are out of the church without any influence. We think that hell's goal sometimes is just get us to backslide and just be a wino on a park bench somewhere. No, that happens. No, no, what, what, what the enemy would really like to do is just turn the faucet on just enough to get a drip going. It's where every time you determine to get busy doing the things of God you get distracted at the noise over here you see a distracted child of God is an ineffective child of God amen I don't got time to tell you go into this in a great detail but the Bible said Jesus was on his way to the temple and he looks out see a fig tree afar off walks over to it wanting figs the Bible said he went up to it expecting to get some figs knowing that the time of, I mean he was the God of the universe if anybody knew when harvest time was it was going to be him and he walked up expecting to get some figs and he didn't get any figs because it wasn't bearing any fruit oh I've heard that theorized and sermonized oh, it was this simple Jesus was hungry and he wanted something to eat and he got off the road traveled they believe anywhere anywhere between 50 to 200 yards off the road. It was just big enough to see it. And he went over to it. He was on the only road that went from Jericho to Jerusalem and it went right to the temple. It went right to the house of God. And as he's walking, he sees it. He's hungry. He walks off. He gets over there, sees there's no figs. And the Bible said he cursed the fig tree. And the disciples were shocked, like, why are you doing this? It's not even season for figs. And he turned around, he walked off, and he went to the temple, and that's where Jesus got really ticked, and he started flipping tables and crushing cages and getting really mad, right? And then as they're walking back, that same road, they're leaving that same day, Simon, or, or the next day, Simon Peter looks over and goes, oh, Master, the fig tree that you cursed has withered up and died by the roots. He just left it. There wasn't a lot said about it. You know what my belief in that situation is? It's not profound. It's this simple. Jesus knew that he wasn't going to be the only one getting off his determined path to where God wanted him to be, to be distracted by something over here. And so Jesus just cursed the distraction. 
if you would, there was a drip happening over here. And Jesus just got rid of the drip so people wouldn't be missing church or being late to the house of God. You see, that's what the enemy's going to do. He's going to put some drips. Some of you got some drips going on right now. Drips aren't sin. That's sin. That's that's a torrential river. We're talking about just a drip. I was so tempted to have them download the, an audio track of a drip, and I was just going to play it the whole. I thought, no, I don't know how many people have to run to the bathroom before it's all said and done. <laughs> Amen. Just drip, drip, drip. But see, tonight, this is the last service of the year. I want to get, has this been real enough for you? If you don't got drips, hold on. All you got to do is determine to be used of God. All you got to do is determine in 2022, you're going to be more involved in the church. You're going to be more involved in the kingdom of God. And all of a sudden, your house is going to spring leaks, just dripping. Focus on the drip. Focus on the promise. Focus on the promise. Determine right now, before you even hear it, when you leave this place, before we ring in the new year, before we're even in a prayer revival, before Sunday of service rolls around, determine right now, there's going to be distractions. I'm just going to determine not to focus on it. And I'm going to keep my focus on what God is calling me into in 2022. Would you stand with me? The drip is going to be things and the drip is going to be people. And you've got to learn to distinguish between the drips that you can fix and the drips you can't ever help. Let me, let me break it down a little bit more. You've got to determine and you've got to let God give you the wisdom to know the people God has sent to your life for you to help and the people that hell has sent to your life to keep you distracted from doing God's work. In other words, there's going to be some people you can help and there are going to be some people you will never be able to help. you got to pray for wisdom in that situation. I want you to lift your hands right now. See, the Lord is calling you right now. He's calling you for your focus. He's calling you not to get distracted in this year. Not, not, not let this past year distract you. Not let what has happened to you and what has happened because of you, whether it was your fault or not in 2021, to not distract you in 2022, but to keep your focus. See, the Lord's calling you to greatness this year. He called it to you last year. He called you to greatness in 2020 and 2019. But somehow the distractions of life and the drips of the devil and the drips of life and the drip at work and the drip at home and the drip in my mind and the drip over here and the drip over there. It just, every year it just keeps the blessing of God and the promise of God just beyond my fingertip. But this year is going to be different because I determined to not let the drip distract 
with me this year. I, I determine right now, on December the 28th, 2021, that when I stand here 365 days from right now, if the Lord... Thank you for joining this podcast. We pray it was a blessing to you and we're so grateful that you could join us today. We want to stay connected with you, so please subscribe in your podcast player and leave us a review. You can also find us on Facebook at GP Woodland or on our website at gpwoodland.com or on YouTube with Grace Point Pentecostal Church. Let's stay connected and we will see you next time.